KYW Original Podcasts. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The coronavirus pandemic from KYW In-Depth. I'm Matt Leon. A lot of people have a lot on their plate when it comes to dealing with the global COVID-19 pandemic. But there is one group that you may not think about at first that is working hard to help minimize the spread of the virus. And that is HVAC specialists, people who design and work on heating, air conditioning, ventilation systems. And when you have a virus that can travel in the air, well, these folks have been and will continue to play a key role going forward, especially with a lot of people slowly getting back to work in offices and stores and with schools hoping to get back into the classroom in the fall. We wanted to find out how the industry is responding to everything, so we reached out to Michael Calabrese. He's a senior project mechanical engineer at Burns Engineering in Philadelphia, also president of the Philadelphia chapter of the American Society of Heating, Ventilation, and Air Conditioning Engineers. Really interesting stuff and a lot already in the works. Give a listen. So let's just kind of start what have the last uh, couple months been like since the the COVID-19 pandemic really kind of became front and center from a from a business standpoint for what you deal with what kinds of of questions are you getting what how much has it changed day-to-day life uh, for you so day-to-day life has not necessarily changed due to the fact that we are still remote and addressing some issues that we typically normally address the airflow pattern issues, but what we are looking to is ASHRAE created a uh, COVID team. And what we are looking into is how specifically to address some of the uh, aerosol issues, virus transmission within buildings, whether or not the building's HVAC systems should be functional, operational, what the time duration should be, what the scientists' recommendations are for the uh, proper amount of distance to stay away, what the droplet will travel and things along those lines. So some of the guidance has been coming out and we are receiving a lot of interest and concerns from most of our clients in particular. So what they're more interested in in the healthcare industry is making the building more negative, going to the exhaust system and increasing that rate. What that does is provides pressurization control within their spaces to allow them to isolate patients which are infected and keep them segregated from the actual patients within the hospital who are not related to the COVID. The second thing that we're seeing is what recommendations we are to provide for building owners who have been shut down during this period since March what they need to do to address these issues that are that are multidisciplinary. It's not just HVAC related. When you shut all the systems down, each one is affected. So for example, the plumbing system as well. Everyone knows about Legionella. The Legionella can grow and you know there there are techniques and um, mitigation avenues that we can take to address some of those concerns which basically protect the public health which is what engineers are here to do. You mentioned Legionella's, and that was one of the things we talked about. Are there lessons that we've learned from the transmission of that and other things that have come through HVAC systems that are able to be utilized in the playbook for COVID-19? Yes, sir. So essentially what we are doing is 
trying to do the research on the actual virus within itself to find the transmission mode. So we do know that the HVAC systems within buildings and even exterior to buildings do affect people, systems, functions uh, within the building, both directly and indirectly. So what I mean by that is the Legionella issues were brought up over a cooling tower, which essentially what a cooling tower does is it, it sprays, it creates that aerosol. So people bring it in and anyone who is compromised is more susceptible to the effects of that. So smokers, people with underlying lung conditions, COPD, all that kind of uh, different items do affect the transmission and the way our body reacts to it. So that's what's being done right now. ASHRAE's task force is doing some of the research in terms of what the transmission modes are, what we can do to mitigate it within existing buildings, and what design changes should we be making in the future to address this as part of a common um, theme in our building design. So what they're looking at is very similar to what we're doing or what we've been doing for years within laboratories and hospitals. So what we do is a technique of pressurization to maintain airflow control from one space to another. So what we try and do is take in the air from outside, clean it. Uh, the new trend is to also disinfect it, introduce it to the space, and then within the space, allow that air path to not spread the transmission of the virus based on the airflow patterns within the breathing zone. So what we're looking at, and specifically some of our clients are concerned with, the airflow coming from the diffusers that are in the ceilings or the walls. They're pretty much located uh, in every uh, residence, commercial, and industrial type building. The airflow that you feel coming out of there, that airflow pattern affects the way the uh, virus is transmitted amongst people. So what we are particularly interested in is the airflow patterns within the space so that the transmission from one uh, person next to another is reduced based on the exhaust airflow. So we have both the supply coming into the space, which is now going to be clean air passing through. If it passes through an infected person, it could transmit and infect the adjacent person. So what we're trying to do is determine what those distances are, what the mitigation methods are for those types of things, and what the HVAC system in particular can do to both flush the building for any residuals and then address anything at a, at a direct level. In other words, what we're looking to do is to increase the filtration rate and increase the filtration outside air, UVGI, which are ultraviolet lights that are applied in an HVAC application to kill any germs which are exposed to the HVAC systems and, and components within the enclosed system. So we're mitigating any transfer by reintroducing the air from the space and or cleaning the outside air so that it does not contribute to any negative factors within the space in and of itself. So the adjustment really needs to take place within the air in the breathing zone. So the breathing zone is typically covered under some of the normal ASHRAE standards, which are codes within certain areas. However, we as designers and engineers need to pay particular attention to the airflow patterns that are being used 
and what's called the ventilation effectiveness within the breathing zone. So how much outside air, how clean that air is, how that air is uh, humidified and things along those lines directly affect the transmission of the disease. And it also, the environmental factors also affect the person's immune system, which can be reduced and make them more susceptible to be able to get it. So you said earlier, the different environments do affect where you're at. So one of the mitigation methods that's being recommended is the outside air be introduced to the buildings prior to and post-occupancy. So in other words, most office buildings start up at about 7 a.m. What we are recommending is that the facility managers begin the operation of the HVAC system, including the outside air dampers and the filtration system two hours prior to occupancy, essentially to flush the system. And the rate at which we're recommending is two air changes. So what an air change is, is how many times per hour the air within a space is exchanged. So twice an hour means we're exchanging the air within the space every 30 minutes. Every 30 minutes is an empirical number that basically they came up with by increasing the air change rate and measuring what the effectiveness is at the higher airflows. The higher airflows traditionally will mitigate some of the concerns, especially when it comes to a specific um, area. So in other words, if we know that we have a COVID patient or potential uh, cross-contamination within the system, we want to isolate it and give that its own dedicated system to where we can protect the external occupants from the infected people and or areas. Because remember, at the same time, that the people are the transmission methods, so are hard surfaces and things along those lines. So any room that they've been in can also transmit some of that aerosol within the space itself. So that space still needs to be decontaminated on a daily basis or more often. So essentially what we're trying to do is come up with the methods and the recommendations in which to decontaminate these systems. Some of them are through filtration of the outside air, to address the recirculated air within the space. So it's going to get pulled back in, introduced into the HVAC system again, and we need to mitigate any kind of transmission at that point. The recommendation is not to turn off a building's HVAC system, even if the building does not have HVAC within it, which a lot of schools, for instance, do not have air conditioning. They would have radiation-type heat within the spaces. So the recommendation that we're providing for those buildings is also to purge by ventilation. And the means of doing that would be to open the windows two hours prior to occupancy and two hours post-occupancy. Now, this is great. However, we're entering the summer season. So the question becomes whether or not the building's HVAC system can handle this outside air and the humidity levels, which are going to be introduced by flushing a building through the windows when it does not have an HVAC system. So what our concern is when the building's relative humidity increases beyond 60%, starts getting up to 70 or so, we get what's called mold growth. And what happens is, is we introduce to that building that we're trying to mitigate these effects, uh, sick building syndrome. Uh, so essentially what happens is mold spores grow and they can, they can be transmitted as well. 
which adversely affect that person's pulmonary system and can further contribute to their immunity system reduction, allowing them to contract COVID more easily. So those are the kind of questions that we're being asked right now. A lot of people are pushing technology-based uh, products. And to be perfectly honest with you, the tried and true technology we've been utilizing for years. So these items have been in use and have been proven. We just need to determine what their applicability is to this new aerosol transmitted virus. So in order to do that, ASHRAE is performing research studies and they formed this pandemic or epidemic uh, task force. And it is being, it is a very di diverse group of individuals uh, who are very good friends and colleagues and essentially uh, made up of architects, engineers, um, building scientists, doctors, virus transmission specialists, things along those lines to be able to address it and write the recommendations for the next round of standards, which could be uh, adopted into the building code, providing future mitigation methods for anything uh, that could potentially happen. It's interesting because I thought it, it sounds to me like you're st you mentioned things that are tried and true. And basically right now, it seems like the answers are there. It's just a matter of what order, how you kind of handle things. So because one of the questions I had was, is this going to be a significant cost to school districts, hospitals, companies to do this? But sounds like maybe it won't be a as much of a of an economic hit as as me as a layman thought. It's just more of of, of getting the getting the recipe right. Correct. So that recipe is actually prescribed for the most part within the standards and uh, guidelines and codes. However, what we have to be mindful of is that many of Philadelphia's buildings, all of our building stock isn't brand new. So essentially what they have is older systems that are a little bit more inefficient and not as savvy as some of the more feedback type systems from controls, which we are now trying to use to maximize efficiency and operation of the HVAC system. So in other words, these type items will give you an alarm when it's time to change the filter, an alarm if your UV light goes out. These methods can be introduced to the older buildings, but they're going to have to be either retrofit or upgraded in the actual equipment that's being utilized. So those are some of the clients that we're speaking with. They are very concerned about starting up their HVAC system and looking for that advice and for uh, the engineers to come in and essentially give them a sequence of operation to be able to turn the building back on, operate on a daily basis and mitigate any uh, existing and or future transmission through the HVAC system. I think this is going to take us a little bit of time. And I believe that redu reduced uh, capacity within the office spaces and the schools within Philadelphia will aid in the reduction of the transmission of the virus. What we will need to do is to properly ventilate and do these items that we spoke of which potentially could add some cost if that mitigation technology is not within the existing system. The retrofit in and of itself is not as expensive as 
wholesale replacement. What building owners should be looking for is an engineer that is qualified enough to make the recommendation in the system and also provide some kind of measurement and verification. We call it M&V. So without measurement and verification, anyone can make any kind of claims that they want to without any proof to back it up. So if you can measure and verify that the, these techniques for mitigation are being utilized and are also positive, we need to start expanding that within not only our existing building stock, but making it part of the standards, guidelines, and codes for the future buildings. So retrofitting on the existing buildings is going to be a little bit more costly and challenging than any kind of a newer building, which generally would just get some upgrade on a few pieces of equipment, and that's it. And final question, and I think I know the answer to this just because of the depth of the answers you've provided me, but I get the feeling you guys, while it's kind of shifting paradigms and we're learning more every day, I feel like you guys in the HVAC field feel like you've got a pretty good feel for what you're up against here and how to handle it, don't you? Yes, I do. And I think that has to do with uh, some experience. So when I first came into the industry, it was the beginning of the uh, 9-11 era. So part of some of the political agenda was to create laboratories for scientists so that they don't go rogue in other countries. This type of experience in mitigation of both uh, biological, chemical, radiological type systems gives us the confidence, I would say, that we can mitigate this. So I work for a company who we do multidisciplinary engineering and we try and have recurring clients. So our clients that call us are knowledgeable about their building systems and they're concerned about their particular operation. So the way that I address it is I take a, a, a step back and look at a 10,000 uh, foot view and see how their system is functioning and what improvements need to be made and then try and take this, these tried and true buildings these laboratories, healthcare facilities, research facilities that are located within universities, hospitals, government labs, um, uh, military bases, and things along those lines. We need to take that uh, experience that we've gained in those applications and dumb it down somewhat and put it within the standard building stock. That's essentially what we have to do in order to address it properly. But I believe if we look at each situation individually, we can, with a level of confidence, say that the building's HVC system can and will mitigate any kind of viral transmission. That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area, or if you want to know how what you see or hear on the news is going to change your own life or your own routine, then subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.